take our Bibles and go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, verse by verse on Sunday morning, and we come here to verse number 16, and we'll walk all the way through verse 18. So if you have your Bibles, read along with me. The Bible says, this is Jesus speaking, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that they, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, or verily, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. This is probably... One of the subjects that could be classified among the top three or five sermons that you will never hear at a Baptist church. A message on fasting. In fact, that's not something that's actually in fashion today for us, is it? At all. And somebody mentioned before the service, it's very uh, providential that the day that we're talking about fasting is the day that was that is following yesterday for our men's skeet shoot in which we ate copious amounts of hamburgers. And it's on the day that we're going to have our spring picnic at the Sontag shelter and we will eat then. So in other words, Jesus wants you to start applying this tomorrow unless the Lord gives you uh, the desire to do that today. But let me just give you the main idea right up front about fasting. Fasting is, if you have your your listening guide, your worship uh, bulletin there. Fasting is this. It is real life training in resisting temptation, number one. And then secondly, practicing in a practical way your dependence upon God. Now for most of us in here, we would say, Jeff, I like to eat. And some of us can say, I like to eat a lot. In fact, I like to eat too much. I eat to the point to where I regret eating. After I eat. For some of us, we look forward, when we're in the workday, we look forward to lunch. And then once lunch is finished, we look forward to what? To dinner. Some of y'all are acting like you fast five days a week right now. Come on. (laughs) But we look forward to it. And in our culture, food, I mean, it is a communal thing. Especially if you come from a family to where mom and dad are both, they, they're the kind where they prepare the big meal and they have everybody over and it's, and it's a family. It's a community. It's like a, it's like a recreation time, eating and overeating. You're able to share about your life and, and become close as family or friends. So for some of us, we say, Jeff, Are you saying that fasting is actually like not eating food? Biblically, fasting is abstinence from food. We'll just walk through this outline because we literally have so much to cover. We'll just get to work. It is abstinence from food. And you can add this in there and sometimes water for spiritual purposes. Now... What that would mean is that if you begin to fast and the Lord says, I want you to take, for example, Thursday of your week and I want you to go without breakfast, 
accepting a medical condition that's keeping you from doing that, go without breakfast and lunch. So throughout the work day, you could be brought to your knees, literally, and pray for people and ask me to do great things in your life. Now, for some of us, right out of the gate, what does that sound like? Self-torture. Can I get a witness? It sounds like I hate my life. There is nothing good living for. It is self-punishment. So that the only thing that is separating me from a medieval monk is that they actually went around whipping themselves with a whip on bare skin on their back. They actually did that. Now, here's something I want you to understand. God does not want you to torture yourself. There's nothing in the Bible that advocates self-mutilation, self-harm. But what God does want us to do is to discipline ourselves. Right? And when we discipline ourselves, He's able to use us to do things that we would not be able to do if we were not disciplined. So somebody may ask, now Jeff, I know we just read that text and we'll get back to it, but why... Why would you actually fast? Like if you could eat, why would you go without it? The reason why we fast is we are setting aside, don't miss this, basic necessities so that we can sharpen our focus on the most important thing, which is seeking God. Amen? To say, God, I'm going to take this time out. I'm going to set aside what I do need to remind me and to help me to focus. And like Fred did a great study there, to behold you and to focus upon you. Now, sometimes during Lent, some Christians will fast from things like sodas. I love Dr. Pepper. Come on. Y'all awake? Tell you what, last year after we had the softball picnic, do you remember that, Jesse? He gave me a real throwback Mountain Dew with real cane sugar. That will set you free. I still remember the conversation, man. A bunch of people standing around talking about politics or theology, and I'm just over here wigging out, man. All that sugar. I love that stuff. But some people say, you know what? For me, the Lord wants me to do something and fast from that. Other people say, I'm going to take a fast from TV. And those of you that stay home on Wednesday nights and you watch your television program, we're still praying that God blows up your TV. Somebody's, we're going to get emails. Some people say, you know what, it's, it, Jeff, I, I enjoy candy. Like I don't OD on candy, I just eat it. And the Lord tells me in certain time, I want you to abstain from that. Some people say, well, I need to abstain from, from tobacco or alcohol or, or, or drinking 10 Cokes in a day. Let's just be honest. The Bible, when it refers to fasting, it's not as if God's saying, don't ever hold yourself back from, for example, coffee or Coke. But the Bible specifically focuses upon the necessities, food and water. That is biblical fasting. And if we can just say it, some of the things that Christians pride themselves on fasting over, TV, I mean, let's just be honest, alcohol and tobacco, that destroys lives. It does. People who consume more calories in sugar than our dollars in the national debt. Sometimes we think this. If we abstain from those things, then it's a blessing. Those things are killing us. Right? 
So we're not talking about these things that are going to kill us anyway and destroy our life. We're talking about cutting out. Fasting is cutting out the most basic essentials so that we can focus upon God. And let's walk through quickly the different kinds of fasts that we see in the Bible. We see one fast that we could call it an ordinary fast. There in Matthew, uh, Jesus coming into his ministry was there in the wilderness for 40 days and he did not eat. Now, some of y'all remember that Satan tempted him with one particular temptation. It was to turn the rocks or the stones into what? Into bread. You know, after at least day 12, you would be thinking Panera. Right? I mean, you're thinking, you're thinking homemade bread and then Satan comes up for, I mean, it's, you've not eaten in weeks and Satan comes to you and Jesus, totally deity, God in the flesh, but also man without the sin nature. Absolutely exhausted, depleted of his carbs. And and then Satan, the tempter, comes along and says, Aren't you the son of God? You, you could you could do that, right? You could you can do that. You're son of God. God can do stuff like create stuff, change stuff. So so you could like change this, see this rock. You wouldn't want to eat it right now, would you, Jesus? No, me neither. And and you could you could change that into bread. You could do that, right? You see how insidious? Because sometimes we're like, oh. Satan says, you can turn the rocks into bread. And we're like, I'll go buy bread from the store. But 40 days without food? This is an ordinary fast. Now, not the length. All right, some of you are like, oh, my Lord. But if you study the great lives of men and women of God, you'll see that in many of them, there is a common theme, and it is prolonged fasts. Prolonged fasts. There's also something called a partial fast. There in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 12, Daniel The book of Daniel is about the Jews. They were captured by the Babylonians and they were in Babylon. Imagine if the Iranians were somehow able to come and pull it off and they extracted some of our young men and brought them to Iran and they were making them into Iranians and so forth. And this is what happened to these Jews. They were forced to eat unclean meat. Now in that day and time, God had said, don't eat certain kinds of foods. And so what was suggested by these godly young men, is give us vegetables and water for 10 days. And the Bible says at the end of those 10 days, they basically went on what we now know if you're a health person as a cleanse. It's so crazy to me that some of the stuff that we're, that we're finding out, in fact, just be honest, it's not a legalistic thing, but if you want to be more healthy, eat according to the Old Testament law. That's what I thought it was going to be. Dead silence. Not out of a sense of legalism, but it's amazing. A lot of the stuff that God said in the Old Testament, don't eat, is really, really, really bad. Do you know what shrimp do? They are sponges for iodine. Have fun at Red Lobster. Let's go on. A partial fast, meaning you exempt yourself from certain things. There's also a total fast that we see in the book of Ezra, chapter 10 and verse 6, also in the book of Jonah, where you go without food and also without water. Fred, we're going to have all kinds of people making decisions after this. I'm just seeing it right now. In fact, in the book of Jonah, it was a point of brokenness and repentance. Get this, that even the animals fasted. 
Even food was withheld from the animals. Not only that, there's a congregational fast in Joel chapter 2, in verses 15 and 16, and also Acts chapter 13, where it's where everyone gets together. For example, if God did this among us to say what? Rocky Mount Baptist Church picks a specific day, and we're all going to fast, and we're going to pray. That would be a congregational fast. There's also a private fast, which is what Jesus mentions in Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18 which is our foundational text for today. Also, there's something called an annual fast. The Jews on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 29 through 31, one time a year, they would get together and they would have that big sacrifice and it was the Day of Atonement, which was looking forward to God sending who we now know to be Jesus, the Messiah, to take our sins upon himself. So here's what we're trying to just establish is that fasting don't miss this, is biblically normal. In fact, go with me back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. Notice what Jesus says there. He says, and if you fast, right? Is that what the text says? He says, no, sir. But, and what? Oh, no. See, I mean, when you fast. This is very interesting. We have covered prayer. We have covered, or we will cover giving and so forth. Um, Do you realize that Jesus uses, for those of you that read your Bibles carefully, Jesus uses the same language to apply to fasting as he does with the Christian discipline of prayer and of giving. So according to Jesus, Baptist friends and other friends, Jesus holds, if we're reading his word literally, textually, honestly, he says that there is fasting, there's prayer, and there is giving, and all of those three things work together. So Jesus is assuming that his followers will fast. So most of us right now feel very convicted, don't we? Let's go to what Jesus says also in verse number 16. He says, but when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. In other words, he's saying Jesus is warning of fasting for the wrong reasons. He's saying don't do your fast and don't do it so when all of your coworkers go to lunch that day, you say something to the effect of, Oh, you know, I would love to be able to join y'all for your lunch. But I'm fasting to the glory of God. In fact, I'm practicing humility at the same time. And I'm doing a pretty good job of it. In fact, you know what? I just can't wait to see what great things God is doing in my life because, oh, I'm so tired, but I'm persevering. And then they just punch you square in the face. He's saying, don't, don't do these things to draw attention. I had a buddy, uh, in school and he could actually dunk. This is when I was working on, on, uh, my degree out in, in Texas. And, uh, and, and he, man, one of these guys really, 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 really you know, if you know anybody really, really, really doesn't like being single, like they really, really don't like it a lot and they make that a big deal, he could dunk. And so whenever the girls would come around the walking track, he would dunk then so they could see it because he thought that every woman says, I want a man who can dunk a basketball. Jesus is saying, don't do it to get attention. Now, if you did that today and you try to make a big deal about fasting, you would not be considered awesome as in the Pharisees in Jesus' day. You would be considered, let's just be honest, be very weird, right? Number one, people would under, like, you're, what is a, you're, you're running? You're, you're dry, you're, you got a ticket fast? What? Like what? 
Our culture doesn't have a framework for fasting, but in Jesus' day, man, that was, if you could fast, you could fast a long time, people would be like, bravo, you are awesome. But it's changed today. So a lot of our culture, we don't even have a framework for it. But on top of that, if we're not careful in even explaining fasting, we will even put a block between people and Jesus. But here's the good part. Jesus promises blessings for fasting for the right reasons. Notice what he says here. He says in verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. It's a good idea to wash your face anyway. Our moms told us that. Verse 18, that you're fasting. So, so that, here's the purpose, so that you're fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you. In other words, Jesus is saying fast with a purpose. One of the most miserable things that I have ever done, I tried to fast one time and I had no purpose. It was like, you know what? I should fast. I should fast. But guys, if we fast, we don't have that uh, protein calorie intake. Right? We're going to lose that mass. And like a lot of us, really, like what mass? Come on. And it was like one of those things where I didn't have the right motivation. That was the longest day. It was, I mean, it was just like trying to focus, trying to think, trying to pray a little bit. But I could not wait until that meal came around. Because guess what? It was fasting without a purpose. There's a great British preacher, uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he warns against this. He calls it mechanical fasting. And if you've ever fasted, you may have fallen into this. To where we view fasting as follows. God, I will fast and I will take the token of fasting and put it into the slot machine of God's blessing and grace. And so God, if I fast for you, then you do something for me. Are we tracking together? It's almost like, it's almost like we have a human divine exchange going on. Like God, if I, you told me to fast, and if I do that, then you better answer my prayer. God doesn't make deals with people. God is God, and He is sovereign, and He is good, and loving, and merciful. But we will lose all the joy if we fast, number one, without purpose, just doing it out of legalism, or we fast to get something from God, and we'll be angry if we don't get it. We do it. Because God has given us everything. He's given us joy. And so fasting is an offering that we return to him to say, Lord, you have created me. You've given me my life. Yes, I've gone through problems. Yes, I experienced drama. Yes, I have financial problems or health problems. But God, you're so good. So I want to, out of love for you, not to use you as something to get things from. But because I love you, I just want to set this aside. And yes, it's uncomfortable. And yes, it's not fun going without food. But I will focus upon you to say, Father, I love you. That's when you get benefits out of fasting. And what's interesting also is that uh, medical science is now discovering that fasting has incredible health benefits. There's an article in the Scientific American called this, How Intermittent Fasting Might Help You Live a Longer and healthier life. And in the article, it says, religions have long maintained that fasting is good for the soul, but its bodily benefits were not widely recognized until the early 1900s, when doctors began recommending it to treat various disorders, such as diabetes, obesity, epilepsy, so forth. It's amazing what the body does, and we don't have time to get into a detailed treatment of this, but whenever you fast, your body is able to cleanse itself. What you will experience is that if you fast, 
usually by the afternoon or the evening time, you will have a lot of stuff in your mouth. This is going to be too much information for some people. It's all of the stuff that collects that the body is trying to excrete and get out poisons and things like that that our immune system tries constantly to fight so that we don't get sick. Fasting enables the body to cleanse itself. In fact, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, that great Christian ministry, they have something on their website entitled, What Physical Effects to Expect When Fasting. And it goes through all of those effects right there. And I can tell that everybody in this room cannot wait to start fasting. Let's be very honest. Fasting is probably one of the most difficult things that you and I will do in our walk for Jesus Christ. Fasting is something that goes countercultural. It goes counterphysical. It goes counter oftentimes family. But let me give you very quickly some benefits of seeking God through fasting that Jesus points out here. Number one, fasting refocuses you from making big decisions. If you're coming up on a big decision in your life, whether that is to take a different job, whether it is to build a home, whether it is to date someone, whether it is to say yes to the marriage proposal, whatever it is, whether to transfer colleges, whether you have a child that is rebelling against Jesus, whether you're having marriage problems, fasting is a way to take time and set it aside to say, God, I'm going to focus upon you and you alone. Remember when I was in college age and just seeking where God would have me to go to college. And I said, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working a couple of jobs this summer trying to, you know, get money for all that. But I, 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 I want, I want your will for my life. Please help me, God. And it was like the Spirit told me, you need to take a day and you need to fast and seek me in prayer. So I went to Indian Rocks Beach in Florida, had one of those canopy things. And I, I just brought my Bible, a notebook, a pen, and then a cooler full of water. And the whole day just prayed, just prayed and prayed. And I believe the Lord gave me the answer to go where I went. And if I hadn't have gone where I went, I would have never pastored Iron City Baptist Church. If I had never pastored Iron City Baptist Church, I would have never gone to Southwestern Seminary. If I had never gone to Southwestern Seminary, y'all probably would have never, we would have never crossed this. I would not be here. Some of y'all say, praise Jesus. Because we used to get out at 12 every Sunday. But it was, it was of such help to see, because when we fast, it clears the vision. It's kind of like if you ever get in, got up on an early morning, you're going to go out hunting or, a, or if you're a shopper hunter. I tell you what, if some shoppers actually hunted, there would be no game left. You're hunting for something. You get up in the early in the morning. It's so, so misty and cloudy and you can't see how to drive straight. But boy, once the sun comes out, that mist begins to dissipate. That's when we practice through grace, through grace-driven effort, not to get something from God, not to be angry when he doesn't answer our prayer, and not to do it out of a sense of legalism. But because we love Jesus, we have great clarity when we fast. And secondly, fasting also builds, don't miss this, builds self-control and resistance against temptation. Is eating wrong? No. But if we eat too much, the Bible calls it gluttony. I think whether a person struggles with pornography or alcohol, anything along the spectrum of the sins, as we've heard it called, of the flesh, the reason why some of us fail in those regards is this. We are a white belt put into the cage with a seasoned mixed martial art fighter. Practicing fasting enables us 
to resist and build up that strength and that endurance. So when a physical urge comes, and it may even be a legitimate physical urge. God created sex. Yes, you heard that from the pulpit. Come on. He created it, and it's for the purpose of marriage. So the temptation to use that outside of marriage, that's a legitimate desire. But out of season, it's a damaging thing. But if we are rookies, if we're white belts, and we, I mean, not only do we not fast, but we overindulge, the second guys, we're on just doing work on the, commu- the computer, and that image comes up, we have no resistance because we've not practiced what it means to deny self. And if you've had a past in drugs or alcohol, you know how this, how it goes. At first you say, you know what? I will use this substance. I will use this blunt. I will use this joint. I will use this can of alcohol. I will use this bottle. And I will use that to get a feeling from that. So in a sense, we look at those things and we say, I'm the master and that is the slave. But how does addiction work, friends? Addiction works to where we start out as the master. You know what? I'm just going to smoke one cigarette during lunch break with a friend. And what do you know? We're smoking three packs a day after that, two months later. Slowly, the slave becomes the master. What we thought we were using to get something from now uses us and dominates our life. Let me give you a reference. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. I love this text. The Bible says, and sin will no longer have mastery over you. That means that when we get saved, there may be issues we deal with, but through Jesus, we don't have to be addicted. Amen? Through Jesus, there is help, there is deliverance, and you can be set free from whatever it is that has his, its hooks dug in to your soul. John Piper says this, I love this quote. He says, the main way to fight cravings that we don't want is to experience higher cravings and have them master us. For example, when those urges hit to eat too much, to do things we know that are wrong, to to imbibe in things that are mind-altering that we know are wrong. We say, you know what, Lord, give me a desire for you. And see, here's the thing. A lot of people think that the Bible is legalistic, that it's like this. Once you get saved, all the fun is gone. How many of you have ever heard something like that? Let me see your hand. Once you get saved, it's all the fun's over. Listen, when you get saved, it the true guiltless fun begins. I'll just say it, guys. Yesterday for our men's skeet shoot, it was a come to Jesus meeting. It was all, I thought it was just so cool. We've got all these guys and we're out there in a field enjoying the second amendment and we're able to do it for the glory of God because we will use all things that God has given us to reach some people. Right, church? And some people say, you know what, once you get saved, all the, listen, those things that people say you have to give up are the things that destroy us, don't they? They destroy us in our conscience. And some people say, man, once, if, you get, if you become a Christian, then that means you're telling me I'll have to stop having sex with my girlfriend. Well, the Bible says that, that no fornicator will inherit the kingdom of heaven. It says that. And people in our culture look at that. Like, well, there's going to be no more fun, no more freedom. Those things destroy us. C.S. Lewis says the union of a man and a woman will be eternally enjoyed or eternally endured. Eternally enjoyed or eternally endured. 
People say, well, does that mean I have to stop doing this and doing that? Those things destroy us in our spirit and in our soul and physically and financially. Lord, have mercy. Some of us, we say, I don't have any money. Well, how much do you smoke and how much do you drink and how much do you just go blow? I mean, the glory of God is not revealed through us having, quote unquote, no fun, but it's us having the joy of Jesus, you see. It's replacing those lower pleasures with something that is lasting. Jesus says here, in the end of verse 18, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Sometimes I I think some of us may have a question from time to time to say, Lord, do you really see? The psalmist had it. The men that God used to write the Psalms, they had that crisis of faith, as we call it, to say, Lord, do you really see this? I mean, do you see what's happening here? God sees, God knows, and God will deliver in one way or another. But Jesus is saying, live for an audience of one. That's the final thing that Jesus is getting at. Fasting is an exercise in humility and brokenness and repentance. You ever been around some little kids and they've got the security blanket? Isn't that awesome? I love kids. Y'all know that. And they got their security blanket and they kind of carry around that blanket. And, and if you try to take away that security blanket, have a very laid back child. Not so laid back. And for a child in their mindset, if you take away the blanket, you take away their security. And I think for some of us, even without knowing it, we're reading God's word, wanting to be faithful to Jesus Christ, and food has become And drink has become a security blanket to where we no longer, catch this, we no longer eat to live. We do what? We live to eat. Instead of using that for the glory of God. And we get distracted to where food becomes our security. When we're sad, we don't go to Jesus in prayer. We go to food. Some of you, if you, and and listen, everybody here needs Jesus Christ. If you struggle with drinking too much and you say, Jeff, that's an issue. That's an issue in my life. Jesus can give deliverance from that. So the point of this is that fasting is a way to demonstrate humility and brokenness. And it will bring us to our knees. And just to be honest, this is something that I have gotten away from. And I want to get back to it starting this next week. Ask the Lord to build the spiritual discipline in my life on a weekly. I'm just being honest. I don't know how many people are here. Being honest. To, to submit myself to Jesus Christ and allow him to speak into my life. To deny myself. 